Cherry Pop Horror. Hello, 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 and welcome to Cherry Pop Horror, the horror movie podcast where it's always someone's first time. I'm Jacob, and in this show we tackle all things horror, be they your classic slashes, gore fests, monster flicks, kids horror, animated, basically, if it's got enough horror themes to it, we'll give it a watch. If you've seen the movie before, just sit back and relax. If not, don't worry. We're going to be running through the plot, talking about what we liked, what we didn't like, and just generally having a good laugh. If you'd like to get in on the discussion, send us an email, cherrypophorror at gmail.com. That's all one word. All right, here we go. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate up here. Keep away from me. Stay where you are. Friend, please, stop. Dad? Stop talking. Keep away from me. Psychology is very important, but it's only recently that people have really begun to interact with it before having a full-on breakdown. This is great. We all have so much anger, so much rage or sadness, that it's often hard to quantify. The world is burning. Recession has hit the majority of us pretty hard. Politicians seem disinterested in the underprivileged, and capitalism is by and large ruling the planet. So what can we do? Well, the best I've got is to sit here and talk about horror movies. Hello, JP, and welcome back to Cherry Pop Horror. What's something that makes you irrationally mad? <sighs> Probably lateness. <laughs> just people not turning up on time. Is this a work thing, or is this just um, a general no, just like, thing? Oh, like anything, like, you know, if you've got an appointment, or you have an appointment at the doctor's, and they're like, your appointment's 2.30, and then you're still sitting there at like 10 to 3. <laughs> yeah and it's you're like, like you know come on yeah yeah like why if, make an appointment like, if it's like a party or something i'm not that bothered mm. but if i'm like if i'm like you know turn up at this time because i've got a schedule to keep and then yeah. they're like half an hour late and don't message or anything like that i'm like mm-hmm. oh, come on come on man yeah and work as well people just turning down yeah yeah so I, yeah i guess i've got i've got that weird thing about chewing i know my parents have this as well mm. Where, I don't know, people chewing with their mouth open, it drives me nuts just hearing, like, the food slap around their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> what about the jaw knock? The jaw knock? Yeah, like, oh, when somebody, yes. like, chews and their jaw's like... Yes! Oh, what is that? I don't... <laughs> this, at work, there's someone in the lunchroom who, like, almost every day for, like, a week or two had, like, a banana. And <laughs> for some reason, I could hear the, the yeah, their teeth clack mm. every time they chew. I was like, how... How hard... It's a banana. Yeah. <laughs> just just swallow it. It doesn't really require much... Chew- yeah. Mm. It's the chewing thing. Or, yeah, in the cinema, people with individually wrapped lollies who, like, sit there slowly unwrapped. Oh. What about, like, the like the emotional eater? The guy that's like... Mm. <laughs> what, people, mm. <laughs> people enjoy their food mm. too much. Like that, yeah. The, the mmming noise? Yeah, fine. Well, you know. I'm fine with the mmming noise. The lip smacking? No. Yeah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Shut that shit down. No lip smacking. The, the mmm, mmm, delicious. Fine. Absolutely fine. The, the mmm, 
it will drive me insane. Right. It will go absolutely nuts. Well, that's uh, brought us quite nicely into our movie, I think, because this movie is all about rage. It's all about anger. Because this week it was your and my first time watching David Cronenberg's The Brood, mm. 1979. They come from the unknown, and they're here now. Hiding, waiting to strike. You can feel their presence all around you. Never before have you come this close to the edge of terror. Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Yes. Then look! The Brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, the Brood will destroy anyone who gets in their way. David Cronenberg's Ultimate Experience in Inner Terror Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egar The Brood They're waiting for you What a weird fucking movie Yep <laughs> I mean, don't really know what to expect from a Cronenberg. Didn't, like, did I expect less than weird from a David Cronenberg movie? No, not really. Mm. But here we are. Um, so we open, we get some very beautiful classic horror violins, like nothing done to it, just violins, mm. gorgeous. Title card, David Cronenberg's The Brood. So we, uh, our first shot, we see two men sitting, sitting opposite each other. Yeah. This is uh, Mike, and who we will later learn is Dr. Raglan. Mike, the sort of bearded, balding yeah. man who's clearly the patient, won't won't look Raglan in the eyes at all. Mm. And uh, Raglan's basically playing the part of his father. This is mm. weird. You yeah. said this was an actual type of psychology as well, eh? I th- well, yeah. I mean, when, when it started, um, I didn't... I wasn't sure what was going on. I was like, am I watching... A play, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what these two characters like. He's caught like, is it his father? Is is he his son? Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of you know because it's draws, on a, it's on a stage with an audience. Yeah, and you're like, like oh, it's a, in a light. Everything's dark, and their outfits like they kind of reminded me of like um like karate. Like oh yeah yeah yeah. Clothes, more, you know yeah. 
um, like they, they're going into battle. So yeah, I was kind of like, it was kind of that moment, like when it started, that I had to grab the DVD cover and like read the synopsis again. <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay, what the fuck am know. I in for? Yeah, again? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, as the camera sort of pulls back, you see that there's an audience, and then it's kind of like, okay, it is a play. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not until you know the a, a little bit later the year, and it was is more of a demonstration, I guess. Or yeah, like, like yeah, demonstration of this guy's psychology. Here's, here's what you're in for. We're going to sit together. I'm going to pretend to be your father and just abuse you. Yeah, <laughs> because Raglan is just keeps calling him weak. Um, saying it's something he got from his mother. Yeah, um, a little girl and things like. Yeah, that too, yeah, you're yeah. such a little girl. Um, maybe it would have been better if you were born a girl. Then we could have called you Michelle. Mm. And then for the rest of the session, he keeps calling him Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird. I was so yeah. uncomfortable watching this therapy session. Yeah. Um, yeah, we zoom out to see it's a performance or a play or something like that. A man enters from the back and sits down. Um, I've, my note here just says, is this a cult thing? Is this going to be a cult movie? Because mm. <laughs> it had that feeling as well, the, the robe things that they were wearing or whatever like that. You said look like a karate outfit. I was mm. thinking like, you know, like robe, um, cult robes or something yeah. like that. Yeah, sort of like a strange green. Yeah, it's like, not a hospital know. green. It's like, yeah, more, it's, it's paler than Almost that. like uh, spearmint. Yeah. Quite light though, I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> This entire time, Raglan's just hurling abuse at yeah. this poor man who looks much older than him as we're well. Just sitting there going, what the fuck are they wearing? <laughs> yeah, we're like, is that spearmint colour? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Raglan screams at Mike. Mike says that he hates him. Um, and Raglan keeps calling him a little girl. Mike then pulls off his shirt to reveal what, what I thought looked like cigarette burns or something mm. like that like welts yeah like, um, yeah like little scars or something like that mm. but i i think they might just be makeup as part yeah. of the performance yeah you know? because um yeah raglan is now calling him michelle mm. and every time we cut away and cut back the scars seem to be worse or was that just something i was imagining yeah i thought that was maybe just like you know editing continuity type you know yeah i don't know but I'm, um did they get worse or was it just me it looked like like when he first exposed them like um, they didn't look very like prominent. Yeah, um, it was like it was slightly like discolored skin. Yeah, and then it was sort of like by the next one, or maybe that was the thing. Thinking about it now, because after watching the whole film, is it's like maybe oh. his therapy of bringing that out was making the sores worse. Right, so it like manifested the psychological into his body. Hmm. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. I, yeah, and now that I think about it, it's kind of like, well, that was like him showcasing what his therapy does. It yeah. changes the body. And, it cha- changes yeah. the, the psychological problems into mm. physical problems, which then you can deal with in some way or some form yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, the pair embrace as um, Raglan then wipes away one of the scars on like his forehead. Mm. Um and the lights cut out. When they come back on, Chris, which is uh, Raglan's assistant, tells them that that's the end and they all need to leave. Mm. It's, it's very, like, <laughs> point of fact as well. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yep, that's it, get out. Yep. <laughs> it's like... Show's over. Yeah, there's no show. Chris has no showmanship. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to, lights come on, we just pop a little party popper mm. and go, that's the end, everyone, get out. 
He's like the minion, though. I kind of got that straight away. I was just like, yeah. he's like the, I don't know. I mean, he never did really anything. He doesn't do anything no, in this movie, but I was not like, really. I was thinking of him like, when's he going to like bust out his move or something? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but, same, same. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to turn a Dr. Raglan or like, <laughs> yeah. he's going to kidnap a kid or something like that. And yeah. no, he just, <laughs> he's just in the background this entire <laughs> movie, poor guy. Um, so the man walks, um, a man walks up many flights of stairs is the same man who walked into the play or the demonstration. Uh, this is Frank. Uh, he walks upstairs to a private area, then to a guest room where a little girl is waiting. This is his daughter, Candy. Candy. Or Candice, depending on who is calling her. Mm. They hug. Um, he's clearly her father. And I thought she seemed so emotionless that I thought there was something wrong with this mm. little girl. Yeah. Because she, like, hugged him and she's just fucking plain-faced. Mm. But maybe it's because she spent time with her mother. And once once you learn what's going on with her mother, then yeah, yeah. that would make sense that she's just a little uh, traumatized. Mm. Um, Frank with his daughter walk down the street and head home she has a bath and when he asks her to turn around to like wash her back she turns and we see that her back is covered in bruises and cuts so judging by his reaction you can automatically sort of go oh it's not him that's doing it yeah yeah clearly this this poor guy and this poor little girl as well yeah I think still at this point I was still kind of just like I don't know what's what's going on yeah like you know I have to really think about this one <laughs> while I'm watching it you know oh, I have like, to pay attention well you know like some movies you can just like zone out and still maybe like slashes or something on, like that you know it's just like this one you kind of have to really like you know pay attention to give it a hundred percent yeah no a hundred percent agree because i was like what the what what kind of movie is this like yeah. am i in for monsters am i in for like a cult mm. or slasher or? I guess, yeah because i had always seen like pictures of it and you know and you know, the climax and you know from mm. magazines and books and things like that internet yeah um but yeah just never yeah, got round to it. So never got round to watching it. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that thing of like, yes, it is Cronenberg, so I probably should be paying attention. You know. Yeah, because Cronenberg usually has a more intellectual level to mm. it at, at some point, anyway. Mm. Um, so Frank arrives back at the institute now. Doctor Raglan uh, walks into his office. Um, he said, "Like he must have like a personal shower or something in his office." Mm. He comes out like ruffling his hair because he's clearly had a shower. Yeah, and then Chris walks in to tell him Frank is waiting for him and is very upset. So Frank enters, refuses to shake Raglan's hand, and demands to see his wife. Mm. The doctor refuses as his wife is still in treatment, though she does get a visit from her daughter mm. um, every weekend or every yeah. other weekend or something like that. Something like that. And Frank's like, no, no, we need to stop this. because She's I- at a very critical point of her therapy. <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah. All the time. It's yeah. very critical. Every moment is a critical point. Yes. In- she can't have any outside influence. Yeah. Which, again, culty. Mm. It's very, I, I was getting, yeah. Yeah. Strong ass cult vibes from, oh, you cannot see your wife. Mm. No, we haven't quite indoctrinated her yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dr. Raglan accuses him of being hostile. I really love this. (laughs) Because Frank is just like, hey, I think my wife is abusing my daughter. I'm not going to bring her around here anymore. And he's just like, you're being very aggressive, Frank. And I was like, fuck you. (laughs) Trying to use therapy powers on him. (laughs) By the powers of therapy. (laughs) Um, Frank thinks it's Candy's mother who's been hurting her during her visits. Um, Raglan fixes his hair in the mirror 
Um, while Frank says that Candy won't be visiting anymore. So you get the idea that, like, I, I got the idea anyway that um, Bragman's kind of vapid. He's, like, self-absorbed. Mm. Because you're like, he's not even listening to Frank. He's, yeah. like, gussying up his hair and stuff instead. Uh, Raglan thinks that it's a bad idea, and they both threaten legal action against each other. Hmm. I don't know what kind of standing Raglan would have in a legal battle in this. If the dad's just like... I think he knows people in high places. Oh, yeah, true. You know? He's probably helped a couple of them or whatever. Yeah. But he does have a good point in that... Especially during the, like, 70s or early 80s and stuff like that, courts will almost certainly side with the mother in a, like, custody battle. Yeah. So... And I guess he, you know, he's a psychiatrist, he's got money, he'll have good lawyers. <laughs> no, not the lawyers. Yeah. yeah. So, that's the thing, because he's all like, you know, legal action, and he's just like, bring it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's kind of like the, the evil businessman who's like, ha ha, yes. I'll destroy you in court. You he know? definitely gives off that evil businessman vibe. Mm. He's just like, I'm better than you. Yes. Uh, critical. <laughs> it's a critical time in Nola's treatment. We cannot... <laughs> um... Candy apparently won't be back until Raglan can prove it wasn't Nola, who is the mother, that it wasn't Nola who hurt her. I think that's a fair thing to ask. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, I'm not bringing my daughter here until you can prove that it wasn't her who beat yeah. her. Like, yeah. Um, Raglan asks Chris to prepare Nola for another session tonight. Hmm. And he says phase two. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. By the end of the movie, I still don't think I know what Raglan's goals were. Mm. Yeah, I was still probably just like, what the fuck's going on? Like, Yeah. By the end of the movie, I'm like, what were you What were you getting out of this? Mm. What were you... Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe it was... We'll talk about it at the end. Mm. But I guess <laughs> that's the thing, because they keep talking about the, the, the wife. Or is it his, it's his ex-wife, isn't it's it? His, it's yeah. his ex-wife, yeah. Sorry. Um, and it's like you haven't seen her yet. You don't know, you know? Yeah. So... Because Frank divorced her because because she was in quote unquote crazy, Mm. basically, Um, and we get the idea that that's maybe genetic or something like that. A little bit later, Mm. Mm. Frank talks with his lawyer about the scam that Raglan's um, that is Raglan's practice, Mm. and the lawyer recommends not rocking the boat as the courts will always side with the mother. Frank says if he can find proof, and the lawyer says yes, but Nola can take action now. Mm. So, like, yeah, you can bring proof and stuff, but Nola can, like, cut you off from Candy now. Yeah. Which is kind of frightening to think of, really. Yeah. <laughs> to That someone who's possibly abusive can just take your rights away straight away. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the seventies. Yeah, the seventies. It wasn't the legal system great, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah. The lawyer says the moment that Candy doesn't show to her like scheduled appointment, he Frank's lost. Yeah, basically. Next, we see Frank pick up Candy from school. Um, the teacher, Miss Meyer, Miss Meyer, Ruth Meyer, or something like that, isn't yep. it? Miss Meyer um, is helping her with her jacket. Because we get the idea that Frank's always kind of a little bit late hmm. for picking up his daughter. Frank. <laughs> Frank, and come on. Lateness. Frank, yeah, oh my God, Frank and his lateness. <laughs> well, luckily the teacher doesn't mind. Because hmm. th- this happens, what, twice, maybe three times in the movie? And, yeah. the te- and um, Ruth, Miss Meyer, is always yeah. there to, like, look after 
Candy I liked Miss Myers. I mean, she's she's nice. Yeah, she was a nice teacher. Mm. Um, yeah, it's helping Candy with her jacket. Teacher asks to have a word with him soon about Candy mm. because she can sort of tell that there's something wrong there. Maybe because <laughs> because Candy just sort of stares vacantly into the yeah. distance every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized. Yes, this child may or may not be traumatized mm. by their possibly psychotic mother. Um, we cut to Grandma's house now. This is uh, Julianne. Mm. Julianne, I think, was her name. I just remember she just had fucking whiskey <laughs> in her hand the whole time, eh? And every, every time she's like, oh, I think we need a top-up. Yeah, her glass yeah. was like three quarters full. <laughs> I was like, um, I think, I think grandma might have a problem. (laughs) Um, who says that if it, um, yeah, grandma Julianne, who says if it weren't for Frank, then she'd never have the chance to see Candy. Mm. So I was trying to figure out who was related to who. So I think Julianne is Nola's mother, right? Mm hmm. Um, Julianne clearly has some past trauma with Nola, but we're not sure which side it's on. Mm. Um, cause during the movie, we actually get sort of tales from both sides. Yeah. And it's a bit hard to tell. I think the mother was like abusive to Nola. I think so as well. But then the mother's story is that, you know, Nola's crazy and sort of made her out to be a villain. Yeah. So Julianne... Yeah, has some past trauma, something with Nola that basically means that Nola cut her out of her life in some way. Um, but Frank ends up leaving Candy with Julianne, and she assures him that everything will be fine. Famous last words. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Candy's looking through old photos while this mm. is happening. Uh, old pictures of her mother and Julianne. Mm. And Julianne says that she needs to top up her drink before they can hang out. Again. <laughs> yes, again. This is what, at least a third glass. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't she, she wanders over and she's like, oh, you're looking at those old photos. I, t- I need to go top up my drink and then we can go through them together. <laughs> I'm like, grandma. <laughs> grandma, at least when she dies, she probably didn't feel a fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> We, we cut to Nola now. This is the first time we've seen the wife, or the ex-wife, rather. She's in a therapy session, yep. I assume. Raglan is playing the part of Candy now. Mm. He's pretending to be Nola's daughter, which these these little therapy sessions I find so awkward to watch. Mm. Because oh, it's it's I think it's later when he's pretending to be like Nola's dad or something like that, and she keeps calling him daddy. Mm. And I was just like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, I Please. don't know. It's, it's so it's, odd. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. I still, it was kind of like, yeah, it's just, uh, I feel like it's quite like intrusive. Like it's, yes. like it's something I shouldn't be, like, so watching. Shouldn't be watching. Or, yeah. yeah. I, I can know. imagine it's as like, weird. as a tool of therapy, it would be really helpful. Because then you get you get to air your concerns about it. Like if you if you had an abusive parent or something like that, you can let out your rage mm. to them without the confrontation of actually doing yeah. it to your father or mother mm. or whatever like that. I can imagine. But yeah, it feels so intrusive to sit here <laughs> watching it. Yeah. It yeah. It just made me so uncomfortable. I mean, we get a lot of this during this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reckon plays the part of Candy saying that Nora hurt her. And Nola denies this. Uh, Raglan then contradicts it, and Nola switches sides. Um, sometime, yeah, because it's, um, well, mummies don't hurt their 
babies or mummies don't hurt their children yeah. or something like that. And then... Then it kind of flips. Yeah, yeah. Reglan's, uh, Reglan playing the part of Candy says like, well, you did though. Hmm. And then that's when Nola switches and she says, well, sometimes they do if they're bad mummies, hmm. fucked up mummies. Yeah. She has like a little... She was awesome though, man. Like, oh, yeah, Just like great. her face like just changed. Like it was almost like sort of normal sort of innocence and then it just fucking changed it hit a nerve yeah and it was that really hit a nerve it's strange it was really interesting to watch as well because a lot of the time she's doing this sort of i don't know how to describe like a babified voice or whatever like that where she's talking through these problems and then you get these little twinges of like aggression and this was one of them you know Mm. you know you know sometimes mummies hurt their babies if they're bad mummies if they're fucked up (laughs) (laughs) and he was like whoa okay yeah um nola says that her mother was one of these bad mummies a fucked up mummy Mm. um referring of course to julianne reglan now flips and says mummies never hurt their children and Nola says she was scratched and beaten and thrown down the stairs as a child. So this is this is Nola's side, which I think is probably true. Mm. But then if Frank knew this, which he must have known from Nola, why would he leave Candy with Julianne? I don't know. I think it's like... <sighs> like, in, in abusive situations... Sometimes the abusers, as they get older, they mellow out. They don't do it. Mm. They're not as physical. Like, I mean, I'm not 100%, man, but it's like, you know, for example, like my dad, Mm. his dad was quite hardcore because, you know, it was the fucking 50s and shit. Right, yeah. So they had the strap. Get in line or smack across. Yeah, Yeah. like my, my pop, he threw a loaf of bread at my uncle you know, when he was young. Yeah. He ducked and it smashed out the window and, you know, <laughs> off comes the belt. And Oh, yes. You know, even to my auntie and shit as well. But it's like, you know, when he looked after me when I was a kid, he never did that shit. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're older, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I don't fucking know. No, I, I think I get what you mean. They mm-hmm. And they mellow out. And because... <laughs> well, maybe, guess- the, maybe the mother's just suppressing all of that shit with alcohol. <laughs> And it's what even he's and he's just like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you it's, know? it's cool. She's drunk. She, yeah. She, yeah. So. It's, no, I completely get what you mean. And like the, I guess there's a different dynamic between a grandmother and a granddaughter rather mm. than a uh, mother and daughter mm. as well. So maybe it's partly that as well. And yeah. And I mean, you can't really sort of judge your spouse's parents on how they raise their kids. Cause I mean, even being a father myself, like, yeah. Uh, the way that I raise my children might be wrong in the way, ways of somebody else. Or Yeah, so. yeah, because it's, yeah, and 70s. It was, the, mm. this is the 70s, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably like, oh, you beat the kids? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Let me get my shoehorn. Like. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of touchy themes. Yeah. Like, you know, exploring this, that kind of stuff. This movie's very interesting with its themes because mm. it is about, like, rage and abuse and psychology yeah. and stuff like that. So and, I mean, that's like, you know, Cronenberg is quite a controversial director in, in the sense that he, mm. like, delves into those kinds of themes, you know? Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, his, I, I love Cronenberg movies. I really do. Um, so, Reglan demands to see Nora's anger. Mm-hmm. Just like in the session we sh- saw as like uh, the play, the demonstration mm. with Mike, 
he's now demanding to see her anger. She shuts her eyes and goes a little bit, like, limp for a second. She goes a bit vacant or something like that. Mm. Uh, We now cut to Julianne and Candy looking at the photos, one of Nola in hospital. And Julianne says that sometimes uh, Nola woke up with bumps all over her body and the doctors couldn't figure it out. And I was like, so not beaten? Hmm. This is where I was confused because, like, is this where the Cronenberg's coming in? Is it going to turn out that she's, like, mutant or alien or something like that? Like, yeah, but maybe she was already manifesting her rage. As these, like, welts or whatever like mm. that. Maybe, but I don't the know. Psychomedics or whatever it is. The, 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 psycho- yeah. The therapy. The so. turning your rage into a physical mm. thing. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. So I'm still up on the fence about whether Julianne was a abusive yeah. or not maybe yeah, in nola's no, mind at least she certainly was hmm. and in but she's some, crazy so yeah but in some aspects that's all that matters in nola's perception hmm. is what she believes so if she believes that she was abused then that's all that's going to come forward yeah so interesting nola <laughs> poor nola poor nola um, something pushes against the small compartment next to, to uh, the back door. I don't know what this little compartment is. Yeah, I was. I thought it was a dumb waiter. So did I. Mm. Or a letterbox or something like that. I was, I was like, is this a weird ass letterbox? Or is it like an old? But like, then, but then when it, it had milk in it, didn't yeah, it? when it finally gets pushed open, milk and juice fall out of it. I, I was like, was, was like, was the creature in the fridge? <laughs> no, I think it's like a. Um, I'm going to take a, a a guess and think that it's one of these old. It's not so much like a refrigerator, but it's like you could. It's like a a cupboard in the wall. Oh, like a like a it has like the temperature of outside. Yeah, it's like a cooling box. Yeah, some sort of thing. Um, and you kept your milk and your dairy and shit in there. Oh, okay, that's possibly. Inter- like I've a heard. Thing I've in heard the of 70s. that. Yeah. I've never seen one in a house, but then I again. feel like I might have had one when I lived in this flat in Mount Eden. Mm. It was like an old Art Deco. Mm. type thing and we had the it was our pantry but it was this it, it kind of looked like that kind of like a yeah, little, little sort of cooler box thing that's no, just slightly no insulation yeah just like planks and then you know fucking, it, i guess it's it keeps just slightly cooler than room temperature i guess I something like that yeah. anyway i was very confused for a second that yeah because it, it starts pushing on it and then eventually bashes it open and we see milk and juice fall out of it mm. The, uh, Candy and Julianne hear this noise. Uh, Julianne goes to check under the ruse of getting herself another drink, yep, another top up. Daggers out the way. <laughs> Wobbles slowly. Just, just gotta get another drink. I'll be right back. Did you fucking hear that? <laughs> My hearing thing again. <laughs> that cockroach is scuttling so loudly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with a three-quarter full whiskey glass she goes to get a top-up. I love that she takes Candy's cup as well. She's like, I'll get us a top-up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you some more juice and I'll get you, I'll get myself some more grandma juice. Yeah. Um, we do get a quick look at um, some things falling off the kitchen counter. Something's clearly moving across it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the kettle falls off the, the stove and things like that. Everything's... Things are getting smashed up. and Yeah, sort of thrown about the room a bit. Mm. Um, until we see a little hand grab a tenderizer, mm. a meat tenderizer. Uh, Julianne listens at the door. Good on her for taking a second mm. to assess the situation it's before just, she blind drunk oh, wanders into the kitchen. Just like, okay, here's the door. 
Just give myself a second. <laughs> it's, that, it's that little moment where she's just like, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta put effort into this one. Give me a second. Maybe I don't need to top up. <laughs> um, we do see it was so mean against Julia. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. She'll be dead in a minute. Um, things are being thrown across, um, thrown off shelves and everything like that. The cereal over the floor. She enters and sees the mess in the kitchen. As she looks up, she sees something, but we don't get a look at it. Um, but it jumps down on her and just... I thought stuck. it was quite a good shot, though. Like, it was a very good shot. So it's kind of like... I couldn't was, um, really see what it was, and it was real quick. And then I was like, is it some... It reminded me of that fucking little red goblin lady from Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland. Oh, okay. Yes. Because, yeah, cause, yeah it, it was red. Mm. You could just see this sort of tiny red outline. And you're right, it was such a quick shot. Mm. It was like, um, what, low angle, behind you. It was like in the corner of the kitchen. Like it's yeah, it's almost looking, like a spider. Or yeah. Weird. It's yeah. looking up at the top of the, the kitchen cupboard, but um, Grandma Julianne's standing right in the way, so you could just see like these two arms mm. on either side of her before it just leaps down and smacks her on the head yeah. <laughs> with the meat tenderizer with the meat tenderizer good weapon for a murder mm. why isn't it why have we had a slasher villain with like a meat tenderizer yeah. or a big ass hammer mm. midnight meat train I haven't seen that one yeah. is it good it's alright meat tenderizer yeah it's um what is it uh, Clive Barker one. Oh, and it's Bradley Cooper Oh, I like Bradley Early Cooper. Bradley Cooper, and I, the Midnight Meat Train man is Vinnie Jones. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting yeah. choice. Hmm. Check it out. Oh, I should, I'll, I'll add that to my ever-growing list. Um, <laughs> tell me about it. I know, right? So Julianne falls to the floor and is beaten with the tenderizer. Beaten. She's tenderized. <laughs> she, her face and head are quite well tenderized yeah. by the end of the scene. Um, the, the hits look so fake, though. I kind of loved it. Mm. <laughs> She's just like flailing, going, oh, oh, no, stop. Yeah, I still kind of felt like she could have just kicked the thing off. Like, yeah. It was like not much of a I'm like struggle. this with, with all small things attacking you, like mm. Chucky and stuff like that. I'm like, punt it. Yeah. <laughs> It's only two foot tall. Mm. Kick the shit out of it. Um, then I did. I did think later with these little things. Oh, never mind. We'll get into that later. Actually, don't worry. Okay, yeah. okay. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, Candy is waiting for Julianne to come back, and when she doesn't come back within a couple of seconds, she goes to check what's taking her so long. She enters the kitchen. She walks through the turmoil that's happened there, including like a little blood trail that's now across the floor. The crushed spaghetti. Crushed spaghetti, bits of cereal, all those cornflakes everywhere. Yeah. There's blood smeared everywhere until she finds the body of Julianne, wide-eyed and dead. Dead. She'd be dead. Grandma. Poor grandma. Uh, she looks up as she sees the attacker clutching the railing of the stairs. Hmm. It, oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, hi, how you doing? And then runs off. Yeah. <laughs> they make weird little noises, right? They do. Yeah, because they can't talk, right? Mm. We learn that later. They can't speak. But they do these weird fucking... Yeah, like grunting gr- Gremlin grunting yeah. noises. They kind of look a little feline as well, like their lips. Yeah, are, I need to yeah. talk about the look of yeah. these things when we get a look at them, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she sees the creature or whatever it is on sort of doing the grudge thing where, you know, the little boy in the grudge who's just holding onto the railing, yep. looking at them. The, the, the creature's doing that thing before mm. it just sprints off, leaving two little bloody handprints on the railing. Yep. 
Frank arrives at a construction site. I assume he's some sort of architect or building manager mm. or something like yeah. that then. Would make sense. Uh, he's immediately interrupted by a phone call for, for him. Mm-hmm. This blew my mind. I didn't think this because I, uh, this was the age before cell phones, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, was it common to just have a rotary phone set up in a building site? I guess for, if, uh, yeah. Just in the middle. It's so weird because he had to go, well, like upstairs, walk through the like unfinished floor. I guess, yeah. I mean, if they probably in the 70s, if they had a building site and you were a foreman, there would be some makeshift office with a phone. That's great. I I just blew my mind for some reason. I mean, that's the only part of the film where we see what Frank does for a job. Yeah. And it's fuck all. And obviously he hardly works. <laughs> he's um, either he's either very very poor because he doesn't work much, or he gets paid way I too think much. His for name what he was does. on the sign, so it was like his his construction. Either his thing? like he's bought the place and it's his construction thing, and he's going to build it up and you know sell it or fucking rent it out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't really get much from it, but I know that when it you know cuts to that scene and he turns up there, his name's on the sign. I completely missed that. Yeah, so it must be his, like, construction company. I don't know what you call him. Is he, like, a foreman or something? I don't fucking know. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like, like a, ask my tradie friend. <laughs> maybe maybe he owns the property or something mm, like that. Or... Yeah. But it pretty much doesn't matter because that's the only thing you see no, in his job. Yeah. It's not like he gets a phone call later in the film and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> fucking it's still going to be a couple more weeks before we get consent or, you know. <laughs> Dave's nailed his hand to the wall. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, he answers, he answers the the phone call, and it's a detective. It's fucking yeah, bad news. It's it's bad news, bears. He has to go do some shit now. Uh, so we cut to the cl- uh, police department. Um, they found a broken window at Julian's house, uh, and then they went inside and found her body. Yep. Can- apparently, they found Candy upstairs asleep. Hmm. So clearly, she saw her grandmother's body, then just went upstairs for a nap. Hmm. Just, I get, okay, sure. They explain why, though. Oh, yeah, because she, like, suppresses it, right? Yeah, suppresses it, and it's, like, the trauma. And it's, yeah. like, some people go into a sleep, or they shut down. Yeah. Is they, it the exhaustion of the trauma or some shit? Yeah, I guess it's the same um, as, like, with anxiety or depression and stuff like that, where it's, hmm. everything's too much, so you just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like why the depressed person stays in bed for like three weeks. Mm. Three days, sorry. Oh, fucking whatever, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Candy is with a psychologist. Um, as she, yeah, as apparently she was way too calm given the situation, mm. according to the detectives. The, the te- detective says that they're looking for a motive. So they're looking for, like, her ex-lovers, her ex-husbands, whatever like that. And Frank tells them about Julianne's ex which is Nola's father. Hmm. Um, Barton, I think is Barton his name. Barton Keys or something. Barton Keys or something like that. Um, he was also always drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's the um, 70s. It's the 70s. When you're Everything. not beating your kids and you're not drunk. You're not, you're not 70. You're not in the 70s. Yeah, you've not done the 70s, right? <laughs> There's a knock at the door and the psychologist enters. He thinks Candy saw something but then escaped into sleep to forget. Mm. So, yeah, it's a trauma reaction. 
Uh, Candy doesn't remember anything after being dropped off, apparently. And Frank needs to help her remember. Frank is given permission to take Candy home, where she sits vacantly. Oh, no, in the waiting room, sorry. She sits vacantly staring into the TV, eating an ice cream sandwich. Hmm. I was like, my dream Saturday. (laughs) Staring vacantly into the TV with an ice cream sandwich. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Yeah. Candy's living my dreams. (laughs) No bills. Um... At Frank's home, he tucks Candy into bed. She doesn't want a st- she doesn't want a story or anything like that. He even tries to coax her. He's just like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I, I I don't have to read you a story. I can make up a story. Or do you want to tell me a story? Mm-hmm. Like what happened to Grandma? <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 I'm good, thanks, no thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, he asks what happened uh, what happened to Grandma's, but she doesn't answer, and they're interrupted by the phone ringing. Again. Again. Oh, these damn phones. Who is it this time? Just text me, damn it. <laughs> so who rings him this time? Um, Frank. Oh, he goes to answer, but it's too late. Oh, that's he, right. He's like running down the stairs to get the phone. And when he picks it up, the, whoever's on the other uh, other end has hung up. Mm. But we cut to Nola, who was the one calling. That's right. And Chris, who's Raglan's assistant, tells her that she's <clears throat> not allowed to make an outside phone call. Mm. <laughs> Chris doesn't sound this creepy everyone it's just I was getting so I was getting such like cult vibes from this when they're just like no don't contact the outside world (laughs) they might poison you against the one true lord Um, not allowed outside calls but Nola says she thinks something is wrong she has a feeling that there's something wrong Raglan then enters the cabin and Nola sort of mumbles to herself. She blames herself, then blames Frank Mm. for the sort of predicament that she's in, I guess. She's just like, you know, oh, if I weren't crazy or if I weren't having this situation, everything like that. And then she she flips it immediately. She's like, no, no, it's Frank's fault. If Mm. Frank hadn't left me, then I wouldn't be like this. Mm. And mm, there's a lot of blaming. Yeah. There's a lot of blame. Blame rage. Yeah, self-reflect, everyone. So Frank left her because she's not well, and this is what's made her very mad, I think. Uh, and Nola is also worried that she's becoming her mother. She men- she sort of half mentions that, anyway. A boza. A- <laughs> <laughs> well, Nola, are you on your third or fourth glass of whiskey? <laughs> Just like my mum. Just like my mum. <laughs> Raglan, uh, Raglan turns himself into daddy. 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 Oh, it's so yeah. uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, Raglan is now playing the part of Nola's father. Nola talks to him as if as if to her father. Raglan says Frank is being a good daddy and protecting Candy. And Nola agrees. Raglan says that he protected Nola, much like Frank is protecting Candy. And Nola snaps again at this. Mm. She's like, she takes it. She clearly loves her father, but definitely blames him because she's just like, well, not blames him, but is angry at him. Yeah. Cause he didn't do anything. Cause he didn't do anything while Nola was abusing her because she said like, yeah, she says, no, no, you, you didn't protect me. Mm. And then when Raglan pushes against that, she has another blowout yeah. and she sort of screams at him that, you know, he was never there to protect her and yeah it's very sad Hmm. it's a very very sad thing to learn i guess she says um she she says that he should have protected her but he just looked the other way instead 
So Raglan does that. He turns around and sits with his back to her. And Nora starts slapping at him Sorry, in frustration. Yeah, yeah. She loves him, but he <clears throat> but he didn't help her. Hmm. Frank takes photos of the bruises on Candy's back. Hmm. We get this lovely shot of, um, like, from Street View looking up at Candy in the window. Yeah. And then when we actually get into the bedroom, it's Frank taking photos of her bruises. And yep. it's really nice contrast between, like, what is a beautiful shot with, like, a bright bright sky and this little girl playing with a doll in a window mm. and then cut to like the brutality of these bruises and cuts yeah. on this little girl's back yeah it's this movie's really well shot mm. it's got some gorgeous cinematography mm. um yeah and so he takes the pictures he takes the good ones and adds them to a file he's labeled as like custody yeah so he's prepping himself for a custody battle to try and... He's getting the evidence. Yeah, he's, he's getting the evidence so he can keep his daughter from the abusive mother. Yeah. Julianne's ex-husband, he's um, made an arrangement to meet up with him. Mm. This is Barton. He's staying in town for Julianne's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice that he has a nice enough relationship that he's, like, coming to a funeral and mm. stuff like that. I think, much like Frank, they still love their partners. Mm but can't be with them because of their abusive yeah. nature. Yeah. Which is difficult topic, which, mm. like you said, Cronenberg sort of specializes in. Well, apparently, like, I read that he was going through a messy divorce, or he went through a messy divorce, and this was, like, his... His outlet in, for it. His interpretation of... Wow. Mm. How bad was his I don't know. I just, I just read, like... You know, I was looking things up about it. Um, that, yeah, that was like the inspiration for the story was that he'd gone through a messy divorce. That's really sad. Because mm. this movie is emotionally taxing. Yeah. It's a difficult watch mm. because of all the abuse and the like relationship troubles and everything like that. Yeah. Um, Barton says he still has the keys to Julianne's house. Hmm. She never could accept that they were over, which basically solidifies that he left her, not that she left him. Yeah. Um, he seems to understand that Frank is going through the same ter- turmoil as Barton had to go through. So again, yeah, it's probably pretty... You can probably certainly say that Nola's probably being abusive to, to Candy, mm. just like Julianne was abusive to Nola. Yeah. Um, yeah, Frank arrives at a retirement home next, or what I thought was a retirement home, or was it a recovery home, or something like that. Yeah, I thought Some it was sort of yeah. I thought it was a retirement home because you see quite a few elderly people like mm. trying to make their way up the stairs and stuff like that. So I just assumed, but it may just be a care home. Yeah, some sort of, yeah. Some sort of care home or something like that. He's visiting a man named Jan Harlog, Mm. who I thought looked like Ted Raimi. (laughs) Don't you think? Or is it just me? I think it's just you. It's just me. I I thought he looked looked a little bit like Tom Noonan, but (laughs) I I recognized him from stuff. Yeah, I recognize his face as well, but I don't know what I know him from. I know that I like him. Um, oh yeah fantastic actor I loved mm, him in this movie he was great yeah. he's there he's got this weird sort of towel around his neck it's like he talks out the side of his mouth yeah. as well like he sort of lisps and yeah I don't know and he's got this weird comb over going on as well <laughs> um, 
the man is doing exercises on the floor, or I assume exercises, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's like rolling, eh? Yeah. Frank walks into the room and there's just this guy on the other side of the floor rolling back and forth. I was like, is on like these mats. Yeah, on these like exercise mats. And I was like, Some sort of exercise. Does, does he need help getting up? Or yeah. <laughs> is he okay? Having a seizure? What's mm. going on? Um, he seems, I put, he seems too, too young to be in a retirement home, but it may just be a care home or something like that. A timer buzzes and he sits on the bed. His workout is finished. Um, he talks about, um, the lymphatic system mm. and getting the blood pumping to the correct places in his body and stuff like that because he needs to do this because of the medication he's on mm. through his, through his second heart, he said. Yeah. So I assume he's had like a heart transplant or something. I like was that. thinking that it was through the therapy that he rebuilt his heart. Oh, really? Like his first heart. Because he talks about um, the nervous system in some animal or something about how it doesn't have a heart, but it still mm. has the circulatory system. Yeah. And I think like the, the, and what I kind of thought was that he had like shut his own heart down still managed to survive through the therapy or whatever and then created another heart like his second heart oh that would be interesting that's what i was thinking because it was starting to get into that kind of the more cronenberg yeah body horror mm. Mm. that that's fascinating i really hope yeah i yeah Yeah. i I, I think at that point as well like i had looked up on my phone what the therapy was Mm. about it was like the manifestations of you know because that's this guy who we've met now you sort of get the gist of who he is yeah like i actually might have watched the scene and then googled the psychoplasmids or whatever the fuck psychoplasmids or whatever it's yeah, called. yeah whatever the therapy's called jan's a fascinating character he mm. really is we, we do learn that jan is also suing raglan yes um frank is claiming psychological damage while jan is claiming physical damage he pulls the towel off his neck to reveal some sort of growth. We only get a very quick look mm. at this, but it looks like a like a rooster glottal. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think. I don't know. That's like a bunch of, like, small testicles. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got balls on his it's neck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. So. <laughs> it kind of looked... I almost thought it looked like a sort of fungus or, like... Yeah, a, a, it looked discolored. Like, mm. it was sort of this yellowy-greeny color, and I was like, what the fuck? But mm. it's such a quick look. Like, it's just like, boop. Mm. And then puts the tail back on again. Um, he says it's a form of cancer that's apparently spread, like, across his body. Um, Raglan convinced his body to revolt against him. And Jan says he isn't going to win, but it'll be revenge. It'll um, it'll be bad publicity. Mm. He's basically hoping to ruin um, Raglan's good name yeah. and hope that's enough to destroy him because he has no chance of beating him mm. in the actual lawsuit itself yeah we learn about psychoplasmics mm. um can yes yeah he says that the, the he, what he wants is the headlines mm. the specific headlines that psychoplasmics can cause cancer and he's like that's all i need and it'll destroy raglan mm. and i was like that's actually really clever mm. Yeah, he's not he's not going into a legal battle to win. Yeah. Just to ruin the other person mm. through the publicity of it. Yeah. Awesome. Tarnish him. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. His treatment causes cancer. Mm. That's it. His treatment dies there right then. Um Chen says there's quite a few people who have been damaged by Raglan and Frank leaves saying that he wants to help. We see Raglan leaving the institute to f- to find Barton. 
Hmm. And Barden tells him that Nola's mother is dead. Raglan says, Nola must not be told. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, my dude. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's red flags for your therapy, I think. <laughs> That's just every time. It's like every time anyone wants to see her, he's just like, nah. It's a critical time. It's a, it's a, no, you can't see her right now. It's a critical time in her therapy. <laughs> but really, it's just like, I don't know how to fix her. <laughs> I think that's the thing, because you kind of figure out that something's not right, that something's, something's going on. Yes. Which is, I think, w- when we end up talking about Raglan's motives at the end of the movie, yeah. I think he realized that Nola's therapy went too far or did too much damage Mm. or whatever like that. And the reason why he's keeping everyone away now, because then I sometimes think like with the daughter, but it was to actually keep them safe. Yeah. It was Mm. to keep them safe and to try and fix it. Mm. He was trying to fix it before he releases her again. Um, Yeah. Barton is shocked and he's quite clearly drunk. Mm. He's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Grandpa is also drunk. Yep. Yeah. Um, he grabs Raglan by the jacket and says he's left his number with the receptionist. If, if he hasn't heard by tomorrow, he'll return to collect Nola himself. Yay. Yes. Good on Barton. For, good on. Good on drunk granddad for like yep. making a stand and, you know, being forward with it. Hmm. Uh, Chris asks if he should have Barton stopped. And the fact that that Raglan has the power to have Barton stopped. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean by stopped? Do you mean like before he leaves the well, institute? Like- I was thinking, here comes this guy's talent. Like, here we go. Here comes the fucking, you know, like- the superpower or he's going to lift up his shirt and there's going to be some fucking, you know, like, rage um- claw or something, <laughs> or, you know? Or some like extra, what was it? Oh, total recall, you know, the little mm-hmm. baby that lives in- Yeah, something like that. Quattro. Quattro, that was it. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking as well, like, would it be like, you know, stop him at the gate so we can have another word with him mm. or stop him, like, you know, call that one assassin we have on the paper. Yeah, <laughs> like- well, I, thought that, I thought he was the guy. I thought he was like his, the cleanup guy. It's like, I don't like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris. The road. Yeah. Like- Chris cracks his knuckles and heads down the road after Barton's car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Raglan says that he's drunk, so there's no need. No need. <laughs> He'll probably take care of himself as he drunkenly tries to drive home. Mm. Frank runs to Candy School. He's late again. Uh, he's going to pick her up. Candy asks if Miss Meyer, Ruth Meyer, her teacher, can come for dinner tonight. And Miss Meyer agrees. And Frank obviously says yes. Is this a date? I think maybe. It's under the guise of like because the teacher wanted to um, Ruth wanted to talk to him about Candy's issues. Yeah, isn't he all like sorry for leaving her with you all the time? Can make it up with you with make yeah. it up for you with dinner. Yeah, I'll make you dinner and we'll yeah. have a glass of wine or something like that. But I feel like maybe at least she's romantically interested in hmm. maybe possibly there seems to be some chemistry. Yeah, there's something there, and she's very pretty. I love her hair in this as well. Mm. Um. That night, Miss Maya says Candy needs mothering. Yep. That's what's missing in her life. Maybe that's why she's so vacant. Mm-hmm. She specifically points out that um, while playing, Candy asked her to pretend to be her mother. And that sort of set off the red flags for, for Ruth. Mm. And Frank blames himself, says that he's not enough for for his daughter, which I can understand being quite 
difficult to try and accept mm. as a single parent in any concept. Like if you're if you're a single mother or a single father and know that maybe you can't do everything that yeah yeah it's just a, it's a natural it's it's a part of realizing that you're not you know what I'm trying to say you're not like everything you can't be the mum and the dad and yeah. work yeah yeah as I mean, a single parent single parent shit's hard man yeah like, I can't imagine trying to do it on your own yeah I mean that's <sighs> so power to you if you're well, a single parent it's just Jesus Christ I can't, can't I, I don't know it's just, I don't want to go into the 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 ideas or the conversation of gender specific roles right yeah um, no i get what you mean especially this day and age so you know well this is this is the 70s this is the 70s so, this is the 70s yeah so i don't know i guess yeah. every family must have a mother and a father <laughs> and what 2.5 it was was it 2.5 that uh, i don't know the one time I think when it, what he's saying is he's like, I'm a father, I can't be a mother as well, which I feel is like, mm. you know, but. It's difficult. Yes. Again, this movie, difficult. This movie is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Frank blames himself, yes, and apparent, and almost blames Nola. He, he says, says that um, Nola married him for his sanity. Mm. Is like a quick. Hopefully, his sanity will rub off on me, and yes. I'll be okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but look, he got a beautiful daughter out of the relationship. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, she's so, going to need braces, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of therapy and after this. <laughs> um, the conversation is interrupted by the phone ringing again. That phone. This damn phone. Uh, it's Barton. He's at Julianne's and depressed like hell. And. Mm. More drunk than usual. He's blitzed. He's fucking plastered. Yeah. Um, he tells Frank that he went to the Institute and they rejected him. Barton will wait for Frank and they can go collect Nola together. He's, he's going on a mission. Yeah, he's like, you come with me? <laughs> we'll go get my daughter. <laughs> I'm not doing well. <laughs> he literally says that, yeah, eh? Yeah. He's like sat on the couch. He's just like, I'm very depressed. <laughs> And I'm like, I think it's like if he had actually just hung up the phone and didn't do anything, he just would have drunk himself to sleep. I think so. Would have yeah. happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Miss Maya agrees to babysit as Frank leaves. He gives her a book to check out as well, and it's Doctor Raglan's book. It's called The Shape of Rage by Doctor Hal Raglan: An Introduction to Psychoplasmic Psychoplasmics Psychoplasmics. Yes. Yep. Interesting, and I like that it's called the sh- the shape of rage as well. So it's all about the anger. Um, yeah, it reminds me of a documentary I watched. That's what I was going to talk about. Mm. This reminds me a lot of a documentary I watched called. It was the Elan School for Troubled Teens, mm-hmm. which ran for quite a long time in like America and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a school run and dictated by the troubled teens. All right. It was very controversial and ended in a lot of lawsuits and a couple of deaths. Wow. <clears throat> um, because basically the, the guy who ran it, like, the kids were encouraged to, like, it was basically like prison mentality. Like, mm. the, the kids ruled it, <clears throat> so they built their own hierarchy and you had to work your way through the hierarchy to yeah. get out. Right. And anyone who disobeyed was, like, beaten by the by the group right or humiliated like there was there were certain rules that were there were always 
kept in place. And yeah, it was it was fucking disturbing watching this documentary. Right. It was really, really interesting. Isn't there, um, there's another one too. It's like the experiment where it's like they select a bunch of random people mm. and then they half the numbers and like half of them become inmates and then the other half become like security, uh, like the security guards or oh. whatever. Um, I feel like it's been done a couple of times, but it kind of seems it like does that ring, kind It rings of, a bell. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm. Just to see like, it's like how like would experiments, we... social experiments, yeah, and shit like that. But yeah, <clears throat> it was yeah. But the, the the specifically the anger was an important thing in the in the Elaine school and mm-hmm. stuff like that because they would have like you weren't allowed to have outbursts or stuff during the day. There would be a specific time where there'd be like meetings right. where all the kids were joined and you were encouraged. And if you didn't, then you were beaten by the group right. to like stand up in front of everyone and scream your rage to whoever had angered you that day. Right. It's that sort of thing, but mm. fascinating, mm. absolute dangerous. Yeah. And like I said, <clears throat> uh, a lot of the kids who got sent to these, the land schools, I think it ran from like 90 something to like Oh five or something right. like that crazy that it went on for so long mm. but no there were literal like deaths and stuff crazy. like that and you were either like psychologically or physically beaten down if you didn't adhere to the rules <laughs> fucking hell i know right <laughs> wild shit um, but that's the sort of feeling i was getting from raglan and his therapy it yeah. felt very sort of manipulative and rage based mm. um so button um button's walking around drunk as all hell waiting for frank to come over he stares at uh, a rope in the kitchen which i assume was police put it there probably to cork yeah. off the kitchen yep crime scene yeah and he just sort of smacks it away which mm. splatters cut- cutlery all over the floor um before he wa- walks over to the taped outline from where julianne's body was Yeet. gives a little touch has a little cry before uh he ends up heading upstairs mm. frank drives to the house um, yeah, while, uh, while Barton sort of goes past where Candy had seen that little gremlin fucking thing, mm. he goes to Julianne's bedroom and lies on the bed, drunk and crying. Uh, we pan over to see something crawl out from underneath the bed. Mm. Very cool. And the idea that this, this thing had just been like lying in wait. Yeah. Very creepy. Very cool. Like that. <clears throat> the, the, child creature thing grabs a couple of snow globes mm. don't know why julian has so many snow globes in her bedroom but collector it's the 70s 70s snow globes <laughs> people love them mm. and beats barton to death with them yep these are very strong snow globes as yeah. well made from bulletproof glass like damn unbreakable we get our first look at what the creature looks like mm. it's childlike but also definitely not human mm. It's a cool look, but it, like you said, it's got this weird sort of. But it kind of almost face. looks like the daughter as well. Like oh, it does. Some of them have like the sort of fringe that she has, and specifically the same color. Because I think there right? was a point when I was watching it, like going, "Is it her that's doing this stuff? Like she's not conscious?" Because like the weird sort of snowsuits that they were wearing, like she had one, and you know, oh, and I was true. kind of at like one point I remember thinking, like going. Is she doing this? And is she manifesting is, these? Is she manifesting yeah. them as like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, because they're all like bleach blonde like she is as well. Yeah, that's... Which is a very specific 
type of hair. And like, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it only sort of, I mean, obviously, you know, as the we, film gets on, you we learn figure it all out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. There was a point where I was just kind of like, yeah, they kind of look like her. They're all like her height. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. No, mm. you're completely right. Like, mm. It's weird. The the face itself is very like cat like as well. It's sort of very strange. It's almost reminded me of like a um like a defect happened when they were making the masks or something. (laughs) Yeah, like the nose didn't come out right. It was reminded me. What was it? Sleepwalkers? That Stephen King? Yes. You know the cat people in that? It kind of reminded me. I love that movie, man. That movie's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Death by corncob. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah it kind of reminded me of that them mm. weird looking i am not a massive fan of their design mm. personally i thought it was okay mm. but it, it looks a bit fake yeah as opposed to some of the awesome effects we get at the very end of the yeah. movie um so frank arrives at the house he is a crash and heads upstairs to find barton's body on the floor he sees the creature which throws a snow globe at him Mm -hmm. fucking full pelt it goes through the wall before running off frank chases it he follows the blood into the bathroom um which is seemingly empty he like opens the little closet with all the towels in it and even checks behind the curtain because the minute second he walked in there and the bath the the shower curtain was closed i was like it's in the tub yeah and he doesn't check there first. Mm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. here it comes. Yeah, nope. he, he checks behind that uh, behind the bath curtain, and then it jumps on him from from above. These things really like climbing. Mm. They always attack from from on high. Um, but as they're fighting, it suddenly collapses and is basically like struggling to breathe. Mm. And then we cut to the hospital. Frank talks with the detective. They think the. The child may be Julianne's, is what they hint at anyway. That was like, you know, maybe maybe she had another kid and it was kind of mutated, so she just kept it in the walls. Yeah. But then it's, yeah, isn't the, the mortician start, or the, what do they call him? Is it a mortician? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts explaining the anatomy oh, of it. Yeah, yeah, we get to that in a minute, and mm. fucking awesome. Awesome, I love this idea. Yeah. Um, the, phone, the phone rings at Frank's house. <laughs> Ruth picks it up. It's uh, Nola. Mm. She's asking if they're having an affair. She then starts hurling abuse at poor Ruth. He's yeah. calling her like a bitch and a home wrecker and all these things. Yeah. Uh, Ruth hangs up. And as the phone rings again, she basically just smothers the phone with a pillow. Mm. So she can't hear the ringing. We then cut to, yep, the autopsy of the creature, the child, whatever yeah. it is. We learn it has no eyelids. Uh, it can't see color. Mm. It has no teeth. It's also unable to speak because of, like, the shape of its throat or something mm. like that. There's also a hump on its back that they describe like a gas tank. Mm. It died because the tank ran dry. I love this. Yeah. This is fucking cool. If you're going to design a monster like this, it's so intriguing because they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a gas tank. Like, it doesn't eat. It doesn't drink. It mm. runs on this stuff in its hump. Mm. And it just ran out of hump juice and died. Was what like, was the hump juice, though? I don't know. Is it rage? Rage, maybe. Hmm. But then she has, like, rage. an entire sprawl of them living. Yeah. She, she has a brood of them. Yeah. Like, maybe they maybe they have a set life expectancy. Like, hmm. they, they only last, like, two days. Or they just... <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Fascinating, though. Mm, it's kind of raising some questions, though. 
Like how like how they survive? Well, no, not how they survive, but you know, well, you I mean you find out that there's a lot of them. Yes. And then it's sort of explained that whenever she's feeling what she's feeling, they do it. They so act she, on it. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's one at the house that they catch, well, where are all the other ones? Because wouldn't all the other ones be if it's kind of like a hive mind? Uh, oh, true. Thing on the emotions of the mum. Maybe at this point she only had one. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Maybe. So how many times does she birth them out? Every Ugh. therapy session? I don't oh, know. Oh, that birthing scene at the end. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll fucking get to that. Um, we also learned that this, this thing has no sexual organs and no belly button, which mm. means it wasn't, it's not a mammal, I guess. Technically. I guess. So yeah, you, I don't know. You, you need an Still warm blooded? Yes. Mm. But you need an evil to be, uh. It breathes oxygen. It doesn't breathe oxygen? Mmm. They didn't Don't get know. into that, did they? Don't know. But it's it doesn't have a belly button, mm. which means it wasn't it wasn't birthed, I guess, in the traditional sense. Yeah. It I was like, so from an egg? Mm. Question mark. <laughs> um Yeah, they, they say the creature has never really been born, is mm. what they say. Uh Nola speaks to Raglan next as if uh as if he is Ruth. So now Raglan is pretending to be the woman that she thinks Frank is having an, an affair with. Although it's not technically an affair because they're not together anymore. Mm. Because Nola is the ex-wife. Uh, Raglan suggests that Frank wants to leave her and marry Ruth instead. Nola has hope for their relationship. She thinks that if she can get better, they'll get back together. Mm. She screams at Raglan to just leave him alone. So again, we see that snap as well. Mm. The rage that the Nola rage. has. Nola rage. Nola rage. Frank arrives home. Mm. And Ruth tells him that Nola called, and she's just like, I don't think this is working out. I'm going to leave. <laughs> you got too much baggage, mate. Yeah, you, yeah literally. Yeah. She's just like, dude, you got some baggage. That's uh, good, though. She's straight up. That's why I like her. She's just like, yeah. it's not a good time for you, obviously, so I'm out. Yeah, maybe if you sort some shit out, we can, mm. we can revisit this I'm not this saying I don't like you. I'm just saying you've got too much shit going on, yeah. and I don't want a part of it. Absolutely. I love your daughter. She's a great kid, and I'll continue to treat her well in my classes. Like... <laughs> Yep. Um, he goes upstairs to check on Candy, and as he goes to check on her, <gasps> the bed is empty. Oh my god! She's, uh, but he does turn around and she's just crying in the mm. corner. She's having a little meltdown. She had a bad dream. Frank tells her the thing that killed Grandma is now dead. Mm. So she's trying to reassure her. I love that he's he's doing this and giving her this like, don't worry, the thing that killed grandma is dead and gives her a hug. His jacket's covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that as well? Like the hood of his jacket and everything's just Yeah. I was like, is it is that granddad's blood as well? Like <laughs> the seventies, man. And the little girl's just like, oh yay. Yeah. <laughs> um Reglan reads the newspaper um about the murders. Um he instructs Chris to close one of their to close their houses basically send all the patients home except Nola. Hmm. So um, yeah, because it's like front page is like yeah. the picture of the little Mute, mutant thing, the little mutant child mm. thing. So he basically closes down the institute. Yeah, uh, we see Raglan also has a gun in his desk drawer because he opens mm-hmm. his desk drawer and there is a revolver in there. So Chris, Chris, Chris ushers. <laughs> 
he, he ushers the patients into a, I really struggle with that yeah, fucking fuck sentence. Um, uh, he ushers the patients into buses to leave, including yep. poor Mike. Mike. Who's like, please don't make me leave. I need my daddy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, Mike. Poor Mike. He, he needs some help, man. Mm. Um, Frank reunites with Jan. And Jan introducing, introduces him to another man who knows about the Institute. Hey, it's Mike. Hey, Mike. Mike's back again. Hey, Mike. He tells him that Nola is the Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. The only patient Raglan really cares about. Interesting. Calling her Queen Bee as well sort of insinuates that everyone at the Institute knew about the brood or the creatures or whatever like that. Yeah. Which is fucking frightening. Hmm. Uh, Mike asks Frank to be his daddy. This is so awkward. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Raglan doesn't want to be my daddy anymore. Will you be my daddy? And I'm like, please stop saying daddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> please, so... my dude. <laughs> I, I get it. You have some, you have some issues with your father. This probably won't help. Fucking mm, hell, eh? Yeah, he, he basically tries to coerce Frank into being his daddy. He's like, if you be my daddy, then I'll help you. Mm. Um, yeah, this is a broken man. Yeah. Mike He's it, fucked in the head, man. And Mike <laughs> is Mike is addicted to Raglan. He even says as such. Yeah. He's like, I'm, a, I'm addicted to that man. He he knew that he was the only daddy for, <laughs> he was the only daddy for me. <laughs> And now he's taken it, taken it away. Um, Mike says they were all thrown out. Hmm. So he basically just confirms that everyone was taken out of the Institute except Nola, hmm. because Raglan wants to be alone with Frank's ex-wife. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we see Raglan walking to a cabin. There's a broken window upstairs, and he immediately checks that his gun has bullets. Hmm. Interesting. So the kids aren't coming out of that window, right? Because there's only one small, tiny, like, smash in that window. Surely they'd just go out the door. I don't know. But he, he sees that he sees that smash and then checks his gun. So maybe he thinks they're getting out that way? Possibly. Maybe. I don't know. I mean... Wild. Fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, yeah. That's Fra- strange. Yeah. I was wondering what this was about because there's a brood of them and they're not coming out of that tiny hole. Maybe they do. Maybe. Because, I mean, they're always in the corners and attacking from above. So That's true. They're maybe. F- fucking spider kids, these things. Yeah. <laughs> things climb like crazy. Can they reach the door handle? I don't know. Because they just seem to punch their way through things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just like open a door. What a, rent are you paying to be punching <laughs> holes in my wall? Well, that's when you first see them. It's like punching a hole through the back of that that's fucking true. thing. Through, like, the, through the thing that has the milk and the, yeah. the juice. In like it. it just came through the fucking cat flap or anything. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the, the doggy door yeah. swinging. Um, Frank drops candy off at school. He's approached by a woman called Wendy, who I thought was going to be important. Turns out she's really not. Wendy. See, I don't even remember Wendy. It's just this this mousy-haired woman who walks over and just starts talking with him. That's right. Is she like a parent? I assume so. Yeah. She must be another mum or, or something like that. We then cut to Ruth in the classroom. Mm. The kids all hang up their coats as two latecomers sort of trundle in through the door. They approach Candy. <laughs> they, they take her and lead her immediately out mm. before turning to Ruth. They arm themselves with wooden mallets. Mm. I assume these are just part of like a play set or something like that. Yeah, I guess it's like the hammering. Mm. 
the shapes through the you know through the through the different um, holes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ruth turns to see the creatures, the little cat-faced monstrosities, who then beat her with the mallets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids just <clears throat> stare while this happens. Yeah, and I, I I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, somebody, somebody, do something. Nothing. No one. No. Okay. Except for that one kid who runs out. Yeah, he runs out and gets old Frank, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he he runs out, screaming out the school that somebody's attacking, mm. someone's attacking Miss Meyer. He tells Frank that Ruth is being attacked. He heads inside to find her corpse. Mm. She, poor Ruth, died. Yep. She deserved better. She did. Poor Ruth. Poor Ruth. She did nothing wrong. Mm. Uh, he covers her, <laughs> he covers her with like, what is it, like, like a, a kid's drawing? drawing? <laughs> It says, like, real hot peppers or something on it. It's pretty fucking weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, like but... tracing paper or something, isn't yeah. it? And he just, like, puts it over her face. I'm like, oh, poor Ruth, man. Yeah. <laughs> poor woman deserved better than this. Oh, wow. Um, and then he starts looking around for Candy, but mm. she's not there. Frank, Frank runs out of the school calling for her. And then we cut to Raglan as he wakes Nola. She ha- was having a dream. She dreamt that uh, Candy and Frank were coming back to her. Mm. And Raglan asks if she also dreamt about Ruth. <laughs> Nola says no, because she no longer feels threatened by her. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, interesting. So, yeah, I guess those things feed the emotions back. I guess so. So it's kind of like fixing her problems. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess mm. so. The fin- fit. Physical manifestation is then looping around again to fix the mental issues. Mm. That's really interesting, but also very creepy. <laughs> she's like, no, no, she's not a problem anymore. Yeah. It's like she doesn't know why, but she kind of does. Yeah. I was going to say, does she know? I, does she have control well, of these I'm, things? Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the thing. Like I was thinking like it's more of a, it's the emotions. They're not. They're, like, running on her emotions. So she's threatened by the teacher. Yes. So the thing will go out and kill the teacher. She might not not, might not know, but it'll feed the emotions back that the threat has been eliminated. So mm. then she'll be like, oh, now I don't have to worry about it. Do you reckon through the beginning of this movie, it only does it when she's, like, asleep? So it's subconscious? Mm. And then by the end of the movie, it becomes conscious? I think because they do say, uh, doesn't that guy, what's his name, Jan, say that you can manifest through your conscious and your subconscious? Yes, he does. Yeah, so oh, I guess anything works. It could be both. You know? then. Yeah, I don't know. but That's really interesting to think about because th- they never establish how these creatures like function. Hmm. But the idea that it's subconscious and maybe becomes conscious or maybe is always conscious or maybe is always unconscious Mm. is really interesting. But the fact that we don't get an explanation is I'm fine with it. Mm. I like not knowing in this aspect. Um, Frank arrives at Nola's apartment. I think it's Nola's apartment. um, Looking for candy. Mm. It's like this weird like attic apartment or something like that. I was trying to figure out where this was because it's not not his house. Mm. And he said that... um, uh, Nola lived here at some point. Oh, maybe, yeah. So it might have been her apartment before she went to the institute or something mm. like that. And he thought this would this would be where Nola would take candy. It might have been the part of the movie when uh, my wife came out to tell me something and stood in front of the TV. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> and you're like, uh, okay. 
Yeah, I think she came out for a period of time, like asked me a few questions about something. So, um, yeah, then I kind of don't really remember this bit for some reason. I think I vaguely remember the room, but I don't remember why or. No, I don't think they say anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's with a detective at this point anyway. Uh, Frank deduces that the creatures must have candy then. Mm. The, the little goblin cat yeah. people yeah. things. Uh, candy walks hand in hand down a road with. Two of the creatures. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm back in now. It's, I love all the, the cars driving past these three little, cause they're wearing those like puffy ass like, fucking yeah, like jackets. Snow and, suits, yeah. Right? Snowsuits. Yeah. Snowsuits. That's the word. That's the one. Yeah. But again, it's, you know, it's the seventies. You kids, wouldn't, you wouldn't think anything around in the blizzards. You'd have to look pretty hard to realize that those <laughs> kids are always walking around in blizzards. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's standard fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you just think nothing of it, really. It's just some kids walking down the road. In the 70s. Especially. Yeah, because, yeah nowadays you'd be like, okay, maybe I should stop and... Well, see I mean, you still see help. kids walking around, but they've usually got their faces in phones. Whereas in those days, you know, nothing. they all hand in hand and, and out in the blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> Barefoot in the summer, catching fireflies, and, catch, you know? Catching frogs. Mm. Um Frank then wakes in the kitchen. He's clearly stayed up all night waiting for waiting for news or waiting for candy or waiting for Nola, waiting for something. He sort of stammers over. He um, like readjusts the radio to get signal. He pours himself another cup of coffee. Um, he also opens the newspaper and we see Candy's picture in it. Mm. So it kind of gives the indication that it's been at least like a day or two maybe mm. that Candy's been gone. There's then a knock at his door, and he steps out to find Mike. Mike. Who still wants him to be his daddy. Daddy. Uh, <laughs> he asks Frank for food. Uh, That's right, he's starving. He's starving. I think he doesn't have anywhere to go, which makes mm. me feel very sympathetic for this poor guy who was in therapy to try and sort his problems, got dropped halfway through it, so he's a bit of a, an emotional mess yep. at the moment. Yeah. And then doesn't have anywhere to go. Poor guy. Mike tells him that um, Raglan has something going on with the disturbed kids. He calls mm. them the disturbed kids. The ones Nola takes care of. Um, in the barn. In the barn. Yes. Frank runs and drives to the Institute. Using a torch, he makes his way through the woods until he finds the cavern. Hmm. I actually thought when they did uh, those shots of him walking through the uh, forest at nighttime that his torch wasn't very good. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but just because I was like, it hardly shone any light. And like nothing. Like, nothing. Yeah, and I was just like, well, how the fuck is that helping? He's going like, to trip and break his neck out here. And <laughs> Candy won't have either parent. See, that's the thing is, it's like, you know, I love Cronenberg and I know it's like an early film and stuff, but it's just like things like that where it just takes me out of the film and I'm like... <laughs> That's not a very good tort. <laughs> yeah, just like, you that's know? a shit. Like, what, what shade of green is that? Yeah. <laughs> Peppermint green. <laughs> um, he checks He checks out the cabin or barn or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and as he goes past the door, Raglan comes out. Yeah, that's right. He tells Raglan that they mm. have killed both. Uh, sorry, that they have killed Ruth. Mm. Ruth is now dead and took candy. He wants his daughter back. Raglan says that if Candy is here, she's in the attic. He gives like that weird look up where he's just like, the attic. Um, I really like, I really like Dr. Raglan. He's very fun. He's very theatrical mm. as like a, well, as a Oliver character. Reed, man. He's, I mean, he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. 
Um, that's where the children live, apparently. Raglan draws his gun on Frank. <laughs> it's so funny as well. I love this because Frank starts walking away, going to the attic. Mm. And Dr. Raglan pulls out the gun and he's just like, Frank, I have a gun. <laughs> With bullets. <laughs> it's so weird. And it's cocked. Um, yeah, Raglan dra- draws his gun on Frank. He tells him that if he takes, if he takes candy... The kids will kill him. Mm. The the mutant children will kill him. So, you know, um, they need to, you know, figure out a new plan. Raglan says that Nola is the mutant children's mother. She is the brood mother. Mm. Children of her rage. The act, they act on her anger. But Nola doesn't even know that Candy is here. Mm. Which is interesting. So... It, at least at some point it's got to be subconscious because those mutant children went out and fetched candy yeah. for her. Um, Raglan wants Frank to do it his way. Yeah, that's, I'm just thinking about that now. With- well, that makes me think that old Raglan's actually not a bad guy. Yeah, that's like what the I whole time you're sort of You sort of perceive that he's a jerk. But yeah, he might actually be doing everything the way that he's doing it to protect everyone. Yeah, I'm having the same thoughts mm. now as well because yeah, when I when I just finished this movie, I was just like, so what was Ra- Doctor Raglan's deal? Like, mm. what was he getting out of this? What was his motives? And I, you're right, I think he was literally trying to protect everyone yeah. throughout this movie. He'd gone too far, and he was trying to clean it up. And yeah, and try and save everyone and before it, it all went batshit crazy. And it's just because the perspective we see it. That were like, oh, villain. Yeah. Yeah, 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 villain, villain. But yeah, this movie doesn't really have a villain. Not really. The brood? The the monsters, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, the the children. But apart from that, there's no, like, big bad, which I like. I really like that. Raglan wants Frank to do this plan his way. Frank is tasked to persuading Nola that he wants her back. To keep her calm mm. and mellow, so Raglan could go into the attic and sneak Candy out. Frank agrees, but says he does not trust Ra- mm. Raglan. What choice do you have? <laughs> you have to trust me. Mm. Um, so Frank enters the cabin while Raglan heads upstairs, because the, there's two entrances to this building. We've got the main entrance, which just leads to the cabin area, mm. and there's like some stairs on the outside of the building, which lead up into the attic. Yep. Which I think is a very interesting architectural design. Hmm. It's an American barn. <laughs> it's an American barn. Would you not have access to the attic from inside? You probably like, would as well. Okay, I'm just checking. But it might be like a hole, a trapdoor with a ladder. Oh, okay. Or you could just go outside and go up the steps. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Frank and Nola meet. He says he wants them to understand each other. Um, Raglan enters the attic. He searches the room. Frank says he wants Nola back. That he loves her. But she doesn't believe him. And it's it's kind of sad. Well, I it almost just felt like a therapy session. Yeah. With Raglan. Yeah, actually. Yeah, it does have mm. a, exactly the same sort of feel. Which... Which kind of, to me, is like she's too far gone with this shit. Yeah, and she's had <clears throat> practice at this. <clears throat> like, she's... She knows what she wants and she knows what's a lie. and Because she calls him out and she's like, mm. no, that's not true. You know, she becomes the monster. Mm. She is the monster. She is the monster. Mm. Um, we see the attic has a whole lot of bunk beds in it. Yep. Little kids in there. Little, little monsters. Little, little monsters <laughs> everywhere. Uh, 
And Raglan checks all of them as he makes his way through the attic looking for poor, poor Candy. Frank tells her that they lost touch with one another. With one another. Hmm. He's basically trying to emotionally appeal to her. Um, she says the isolation was part of her therapy. What's happening to her is too strange for people of her old life. That's right, because, oh, uh, yeah, he starts saying, you know, I want to be part of your life. Hmm. And she's saying, you know, this is a new life now. I'm a god. <laughs> I am the mother. Well, I guess she is, because she's creating life. Yeah. Oh, oof. Yeah. Cronin god. <laughs> Cronin god. <laughs> um, yeah, Frank asks to be a part of her new life. He pushes hard the angle that he wants this as well. So he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I want to be part of this new life that you're building, whatever it is. Let me be a part of it. Which is all, of course, bullshit. Hmm. He's not interested at all. He just wants his daughter and to get away from her. Yep. Raglan finds several of the sleeping monsters. They all seem like catatonic. Hmm. Not necessarily asleep because some of them are like sat up or like perched. But none hmm. of them are like acknowledging him or yeah. moving or anything like that. Which I think is really interesting. Hmm. Um, he's calling out for Candy as he's sort of moving around. Uh, Nola asks if Frank is ready. Um, I seem to be a very special person. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure, she says. And he says, I want to go with you wherever you go. And she goes, do you? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> and Nola lifts up her gown, um, which is this weird sort of like, I don't know, it's like a split. It's like a collar split. Yeah. It's kind of like those little things you get at the barbers. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Those little apron things to catch all your hair. It's like one of those, like but somehow... One. Yeah, like a big one, but somehow a dress. <laughs> so it's just got a split at the front, and she lifts up both sides, and Frank steps back in horror. We see that Nola has some kind of external embryonic sac mm. attached to her stomach. It's so cool! Yeah. I really Weird. like this design. It's gross mm. and awesome. And we don't linger on it for too long. It's sort of like this weird purpley orange fleshy color and like it looks like a like a pustule or a bruise or something like mm. that raglan upstairs in the attic finds candy but also accidentally wakes a couple of the creatures mm. frank watches as oh oh yeah this is the bit yeah uh, <laughs> frank watches as nola bites into the the embryonic sack or whatever it is which obviously is full of like amniotic fluid and blood and everything like that, mm. and um, pulling it open, revealing a baby creature, one of the little children monster things in the attic. <laughs> Raglan picks up candy. Meanwhile, Nola licks the baby creature clean, which <laughs> yeah, so made, weird man. made me feel a little bit nauseous. Yeah, I was just kind of, at this point. I was kind of like. <laughs> This movie went from, like, pretty calm and mainly a psychological thriller mm. with a little bit of, like, slasher <clears throat> stuff going on to this just... <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what the fuck is... <laughs> yeah, it was very As she licks this baby creature clean. Um, Frank reels in disgust. Um, meanwhile, Raglan slowly makes his way out of the attic now. Nola realizes that Frank is disgusted. Um... He hates her. I love this. Mm. The the way she looks at him and the way she says these lines where you're like, I disgust you. Mm. Like she's almost confused by it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
you hate me. Um, this wakes the aggression of the creatures in the attic as well. As she realizes that he's disgusted by her, mm. all the creatures upstairs sort of split, start to become a more aggressive and more like feral. Mm. What he should have done is just like lipped on her and gone, oh yeah, baby, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you know? Well, I just started stabbing the shit out of her or something. No, no, like getting all romantic. Like, yay. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to. Well, She's you covered know, in his like, daughter's life's at stake. This is true. You know, like, he said that he's willing to go. <laughs> and he's going to give it 100%. He's just got to force a boner. He's just <laughs> got By the power of will. Ooh, like, yeah, baby. Let me in on that egg sack. <laughs> <clears throat> Smear the amblyotic fluid of... Mm. Oh, no. Yeah. So gross. That, that yeah, would have been more fucked up. I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> You would have been like, yeah, yeah, give me that shit. Yeah, fucking weird <laughs> shit. It's so, yeah, because like I said, this movie went from like zero to a hundred very quickly because mm. like there was no sort of, chrono- the the creatures look very timid. Or I guess it's like, just, like just the design. payoff though, because you knew that there was like manifesting this thing, mm. you know, like. And then it finally, it reveals what Nola is. Mm. She, I don't think she's standing in any scene that she's in. Which makes sense with the fact that she has this Seems sack like, attached that's like to her. Birthing these things, yeah. She's that's what made me think. Like, was it after every therapy session, or you know, like, yeah. Ugh, ugh. Reglan um, sends Candy through the door alone because the creatures are starting to surround them and mm. obviously getting aggressive. So he puts Candy down. He's just like, go through that door and lock it behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so what he should have done is thrown Candy at the fucking monsters and like get and like the in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> you want to? You have her. <laughs> well, we know, I know who not to spend my time with in a horror movie. <laughs> Was that thing you're like in zombie movies? I don't need to be the fastest. I just yeah. need to be faster than you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nola calls Frank a liar, and Raglan is attacked by the creatures. He shoots a couple of uh, a couple dead. He gets a headshot on one or two mm. of them. It's yeah, good shot. But is eventually overwhelmed, and they start like tearing at him, biting him, and stuff like that. Um, Candy watches as the creatures um, bite and maul him to death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nola says <clears throat> she'd kill Candy before letting Frank take her. Yeah, that was pretty heavy. That's, yeah, this is where I start to think that maybe it's becoming conscious. Yeah, it kind of just reminded me of, like, those stories you read sometimes in the paper where it's, like, a divorced couple and then it's, like, you hear, like, you know, the father kills the kid to get back at the mother or, oh yeah, I you know, that kind of is, stuff, which yeah. I find is really sort of fucked up. Like It's so disturbing that yeah. you'd... You'd rather end <clears throat> someone's life than oh, it's yeah it's it's or it's like you know the mum that straps all the kids in the car and then just fucking drives it into a river or some shit you know yeah. that that yeah. we never and I mean like I said like being a father and having daughters and stuff like that is it's like that Can't stuff fucking imagine is like, is quite yeah it's, it's I imagine it'd be so potent for well it's just you, hard for you like, as a parent yeah well it's just like before I had kids man like I it's like I wouldn't. I didn't care seeing kids get <clears throat> killed in films and shit like that. But then yeah. as soon as you have kids, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, like, oh, God, what, if, know, what if it was mine? Kid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's yeah, just like... Yeah, absolutely. You get kind of emotional about that stuff. And that's... Yeah. Like with this film, with its themes of, you know, like... Especially seeing know. a parent who'd 
sacrifice their child hmm. out of spite. Yeah, exactly. It's just like I, I doesn't it doesn't compute with me, but I know that and I guess, when I've read stories about it or seen films oh, yeah. that touch on that subject, it always I listen to a decent amount of like mm. true crime and I've heard quite yeah. a few stories like that. Yeah, parents mm. rolling their cars into the river to drown their kids yeah. and stuff like it's fucking <clears throat> terrifying. But yeah, here's here's mm. Nola saying like, you know what? I'd rather she was dead than yeah. in a stable happy yeah, relationship be with you be with you you know so which is just spite <clears throat> because it's yeah. there's there's never any question about whether frank is a good father or not mm. he is a good father he's occasionally late you know he he can't do all the things the that fucking worth <laughs> <laughs> he can't do all the things that like a mother and father can do so yeah so but he's never abused her no He's never mean to her. He's never ignored her. He's there for her. Yeah. But Nola's so mad that she'd rather their child be dead. Mm. And that's mind-blowing. Yep. Absolutely <clears throat> mind-blowing. Um, the creatures stand from Raglan's corpse, who's now <laughs> dead on the floor, just bleeding out, yep. and walk towards Candy. And she locks herself in the room that Raglan pointed her to. Frank begs Nora to make the creature stop as he hears Candy's screams echo out from upstairs. Mm-hmm. Frank starts strangling Nola. I think she tells him that she, he needs to kill her. But she says it with such anger that it feels like a threat more than yeah. a <clears throat> more than like say the fly or whatever like that when <clears throat> when he's turned himself into a monster by accident and yeah. like he's begging for death. It doesn't feel like that. Oh, yeah. It feels more again spiteful. It feels like, you know, if, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just flash back to the fly. <laughs> and you're like, I find that yeah. really, like, that's really sad. Oh, yeah. Know, it makes like, me tear up yeah, at the end of that like movie. It's like how he gets his weird claw and puts it fucking. Yeah, he moves the shotgun to yeah. his head. And it also reminds me of the, uh, the creep show one with Stephen King with the moss. The oh, space yeah, moss. yeah, yeah. Like, that's fucking sad as well. Like, it starts off like a comedy. So fucking grim. It's just yeah. like, wow. Like it's But this feels more spite again, spiteful mm, yes. because she is rage. Mm. She her her entire being has been formed into rage mm. now, basically. Um so yeah, it feels more like a, a threat rather than a please kill me mm. to stop to save our daughter or whatever like that. Um but he starts strangling her. Um, as the creatures start breaking through the door to get at poor, poor Candy, yeah. who's going to need That many. was quite intense, too. Like, when she was against the door and it's just fucking vibrating. And yeah. It's like, oh, like, yeah. The vibrating door is very cool. Yeah, but it's you can see a- that it was right on her back and she was fucking... She was, yeah, vi- like, literally vibrating. Yeah. And it gives you the impression that it's not like one or two and they're like banging. It's like mm. the banging doesn't stop and it's yeah. banging so much that it's, the door's just vibrating. Mm. And yet they start like punching through the wood. So these kids are fucking strong or they don't care about their bodies. One or the other. They just don't know how to use doors properly. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the knob. Yeah. For the fuck. What rent are you paying to be breaking my doors? <laughs> uh, so Frank starts strangling Nola as the creatures break through the door. Eventually, Frank kills Nola. I found it interesting that she doesn't let go of the baby creature that she has in her arms either. The entire time she's being strangled, she won't let go of it. 
And it'd it's be like, awesome though if she like crushed it as she was being strangled, like just from like the pressure of being strangled that she just tensed up and crushed. That would have been a very interesting metaphor for what's happened. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, she she doesn't let go of it the entire time. So this movie's fucked up, but, you know, I just think it could be a bit more <laughs> fucked up, you know? Why didn't he have sex with her <laughs> just after she birthed a creek? <laughs> Why didn't he get it on the licking it, too, you know? Have to go full into character. GP, <laughs> this movie's fucked up, but it could have been yeah. more fucked up. Alright, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna remake it. <laughs> <laughs> the remake of Brood twenty twenty two. Broods. The the Broods. The Broods Broods. <laughs> Broods. Broods two. Um Frank kills Nola and the creatures stop. Yep. He leaves the cabin and heads to the attic. Inside, all of the creatures have dropped dead. And so is Raglan. He kind of look, looks off in the background. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, there's Raglan. <laughs> Just this bloody corpse in the back. Poor guy. Yeah, I thought he was going to get up and be like, damn it, I thought I was going to have to play dead for a couple more hours. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks his back. <laughs> Frank unlocks the door and finds candy in the corner. This kid is going to need some serious therapy. Mm. Um, he carries candy out and through the woods. They get to the car and drive away from the institute. Candy cries in the car. We zoom in on a couple of moles. Mm, on warts, her arm. Kind yeah. of warty looking things. And I was like, is this hinting that she's basically manifesting the same sort of thing? Yeah. Suppressing all the trauma. All, all the rage. trauma. And it's physically manifesting itself now. And our final shot. Or was it her all along? Oh, no, it wasn't. No, it was, was, it was, <laughs> it was definitely no <laughs> luck. <laughs> <laughs> so our final shot is on Candy's teary eyes as we fade to black and the credits roll. So that concludes The Brood 1979. So give me a rundown for this movie, JP. What did you think as far as the script, the the, the dialogue, the acting, etc.? Give me a rundown. For I thought this. the acting was really good. I mean, you had Oliver Reed in there who was amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't the remember the pretty good. name of the lady who played... Uh, Nola, but she was amazing as well. She um, reminded me so much of the the lady from Hellraiser. Mm. The, yeah, I mean they're both British as well. Yeah, I think uh, it's the accent yeah. as well. Because when she was talking, it was when she was giving like um, Raglan the scary death eyes and mm. talking about Frank or something like that. And it's just like, oh, I'm having like Hellraiser flashbacks. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I liked it. I liked like all the design. Like I fucking uh, the kitchen of the grandmother like grandma's weird, kitchen yeah like the wallpaper and the colors and stuff which yeah is it so, was yeah i don't know surprisingly colorful movie it mm. did quite well with its um with the palette they decided to use i guess for the set dressing and stuff like yeah. that it's really cool but um i mean i enjoyed it but yeah i just kind of felt that i really really had to concentrate yeah. On what I was watching. It was a, a lot of like a psychological thriller with like a tiny bit of a slasher. Mm. Mm. And then it ended with some body horror. Mm. But that design of the, the embryonic sack or whatever it is that's yeah. attached to Nola, fucking metal as well, hell. Even like that shot, like when she holds up the white flaps of whatever the fuck it is that she's wearing. It's yeah. almost like angelic. Like yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is... 
it's I don't great. know. It's, it's like great. she's become godlike or something. Well, mother is what was it? Mother is god in the eyes of a child. Mm. That that saying. Yeah, fascinating. Love mm. that. Um, I wasn't so keen on like the the creature design of like the little gremlin people. Yeah, I thought that could have been bigger or. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's just it's it's a product of its time. I mm. don't know what the budget was or whatever. I know that. Um. I mean, his films have always done quite well, like surprisingly well. I think it's the shock value, right? It's like, mm. but he actually makes good movies. I was going to compare it to like, you know, the human centipede and shit where it, like it gets notoriety for being so outrageous. Yeah. But Cronenberg's movies are actually good yeah, as opposed to like a human death. centipede. And- I mean, I think the only one of his that I didn't really like, and it might be due for a re- rewatch, is uh, that, co- uh, what is it? Cosmetropolitan? I don't know that one, one with Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Edward Cullen. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, I might be just you know maybe I wasn't in the frame of mind because that's the thing with Cronenberg is it's not just hey let's get some popcorn sit on the couch and watch a movie. It's <laughs> kind of like this movie invest yourself. Yeah, and, this movie is emotionally taxing. Yeah. It's like hey, do you want to talk so about I, the? I think of like his films and I think you know like Videodrome and that's another one that's yeah you've got to pay attention got to pay attention um the fly got to got to pay attention to mm. that and especially if you want i mean these are movies that you could have on in the background but you won't get like much from it Mm. you'll get the shock factor of when nola lifts up her her gown thing or in the fly you'll get the shock of jeff goldblum turning into a monster but if you actually sat down and paid attention to it you'd be like oh fuck this is like Mm really deep psychologically yeah like i mean this movie is about like emotional trauma and letting go of rage mm. and that's really interesting especially for a movie this old this is 1979 yeah. like wow yeah fucking fascinating yeah yeah i don't know i mean it's just i always think it's something about like canadian directors like there's <laughs> something about it because i was gonna say the other weird one who makes great movies but are fucking weird is um, David Lynch. And it's, oh, yeah, David Lynch makes some bizarre yeah. shit. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just, yeah, like if you're Canadian. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so, we're waiting for Justin Bieber's new movie. Um, <laughs> um, so, what would your personal rating be for this movie? One being awful, ten being amazing. Where would you scale this for yourself on a first watch? Maybe about an eight. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went for, uh, seven seven to eight, somewhere around that yeah. area. Probably just more so for like uh yeah, like effects, like the mm. the weird looking children monsters. Mm. Um a couple of sort of continuity things I Oh did I you, saw, yeah. Oh spill spill the tea, where's the continuity? I think it was uh it might have been when he was having dinner with the teacher mm. and he was sort of knocking back the drinks. And then he got up to answer the phone. It was like both the drinks were still full. Oh, these are just stupid things that I I notice and just I love. But that. I mean, it's 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 early works. It's you know yeah, you like said low this budget, is pretty work. pretty early in Cronenberg's career, right? So maybe like I think his third film. Fascinating, because then I think because um, I I forgot like fucking Scanners. I think Scanners was like one of his big ones that I have actually I've on. never watched Scanners. Right. I keep meaning to. That's got the same... It's like making people's heads explode, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the telekinesis type right. thing. I think. I can't remember. But I know that's got um, Michael Ironside in it. And yeah, it's got that famous scene of that guy's head 
popping. popping. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch yeah. that movie. <laughs> because um, the effects guy Dick Smith did that, who also did the effects for The Exorcist and stuff. Oh, but that fucking head exploding is just like, I mean, even to this day, it's still fucking Ball amazing. <laughs> Uh, we like to give uh, credit where credit's due here. So is there a particular actor or actress or character you'd like to give props to in this movie? Definitely um, the little girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what they say. You shouldn't work with like animals and animals kids. Animals and kids, yeah, right. So. She was okay. Yeah. I'm glad she wasn't in it more than she needed to be. Mm. <laughs> Although that scene where she was pressing herself against the door was mm. pretty damn good. Yeah. It's just the rest of the movie where she falls a bit, yeah, a bit numb, a bit flat. Mm. But uh, yeah, who would you yeah, give props um, to? It'd have to be fucking Oliver Reed, man. Like <laughs> Doctor Raglan. Doctor Raglan, yeah. Yeah, he was he was awesome. He was so theatrical. Yeah, he's a scene stealer, and yeah, it's just every time he was in a scene, I was always just like watching him. Like he has a very piercing gaze mm. like when he was staring at characters and stuff like that it was very intense yeah it was awesome but um definitely yeah like the british actors always stand out always manage to stand yeah, out yeah always act better i should want i wanted to give props to robert a silverman who played jan yes that's his name i <laughs> i just thought he was really interesting to watch mm. it was only in like two scenes yep but I thought he was just fascinating and did such a good job. Yep, I uh, agree. I wanted a bit more of his story, actually. Mm. I was either like, oh, yeah, but what did you go through? Mm. Like, I wanted to know more. Well, you could do a Brood's prequel. Brood's story. His story. Jan's story. Jan's story. Jan's story. But, uh, yeah, no, that guy apparently, yeah, what's his name? Robert A. Silverman? Yeah. Um, has appeared in, like, five Cronenberg films, so. I'm going to have to look him up. Maybe mm. I... I probably know him from something and then i said yeah earlier jason x (laughs) which cronenberg is also in yeah let's not forget cronenberg in um nightbreed as well clive barker's nightbreed don't tell me you haven't seen it i don't know if i've seen it nightbreed nightbreed clive barker's nightbreed i don't think i've seen it my god maybe for the next episode (laughs) cronenberg plays the psychiatrist in it oh okay i look Mm. forward to that (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me, JP. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I hope you had a good time. And um, I'm, I'm glad we finally found a movie that you hadn't seen. <laughs> I had to pick it, too. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? You know, every movie I send you, you're like, nah, I've seen it. I'm like, fine, you pick one then. I was quite keen on Dracula Dead and Loving It, though. I'd I was seen just it like, before, though. I, know. So I, I, was I was like, well, like... <laughs> it's no, neither was the first time. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, though, I've got, to, I've got to find someone to do that with. Yeah. Um, well, that concludes The Brood 1979, and I hope you come back at some point for another episode. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks again to our guests, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. It really does help people find the podcast. And remember, you can get in on the discussion by sending us an email, cherrypophorror at gmail.com. Okay, I'll let you go. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the monsters bite.